0: Welcome, everyone. Glad you're here. You know, we're partway through a series um, called The Infinite Way, and I'm using for inspiration Gold, Joe Goldsmith's book called The Infinite Way. And he's taking a little bit different look, if you will, at this thing called new thought, at this uh, thing that we practice every Sunday together. And practice, I guess, would be the key word for today's talk because he goes out of the realm of the... the uh, sort of mental, into the realm of, so what can we do to get closer to God? Up until now, we've been talking about who we are, what God is, the the nature of the universe. And now he's switching gears a little bit, and he's saying, all right, what can we physically do? What, if anything, can we do in the world to get closer to God, to have a better understanding of who we are? What spiritual practices can we employ to become more of that thing? That is God. In effect, he's saying, what can we do to jumpstart our own spiritual evolution? Well, no surprise, he he says there are three key things. Two of them we're really familiar with, that being prayer and meditation. But I want to spend a little bit of time today talking about the third one that isn't something that we do as much or talk about as much. He refers to it as contemplation. And uh, if you don't mind me starting out, I'm going to delve into my own past and talk about my grandfather for a minute. So back in the 20s and 30s, one of my grandfathers was the uh, superintendent of the Oregon City Mill. Have you ever driven by uh, 99 East and notice off on the right-hand side if you're headed out towards Oregon City, that big complex by the falls that, that's kind of mostly in disrepair now? Uh, If you were aware of it in its last incarnation, it was kind of a a paper mill at that time, and they made paper bags. Well, back in the 20s and the 30s, a very different picture. It actually provided the falls, and the mill there provided a lot of electricity for Oregon City, as well as doing some uh, paperwork and as well as being an actual lumber mill. And so it had kind of three purposes at that time, and he was in charge of keeping the thing running. Literally, if a log came down the river and jammed in one of the turbines, Oregon City would be out of power. 2,000 people would be out of jobs for the day. It would just bring everything to the halt because, you know, a vast sea of mostly dangerous machinery would all come to a halt. All it would take would be one log. His job, in essence, was, you might think of it, to be a creative problem solver. And in fact, one of his sort of inventions was a movable array in front of the turbines that could actually rise with the river currents to prevent logs from coming in there. And so, uh, of course, I knew Grandpa much later in life. But he was still one of those guys that could always figure out ways to get things done. And he used to tell me about some of the innovative things that he did at the sawmill. What was his secret? I asked him one time, I said, you are so creative. You actually have invented things. I never really knew anyone that invented things the way he did. And he said, oh, well, I sit in the chair. (laughs) And I said, and, and of course, knowing Grandpa, I went, oh, he's right. He does sit in the chair a lot. And I was kind of thinking, but what does that have to do with being creative? What does that have to do with problem solving? And he said, well, maybe you haven't heard of contemplation before. And so he explained it to me. He said, oftentimes when I'm sitting in the chair, I'm not sleeping. And that was true. I had observed that. He sat in the chair and he wasn't sleeping. And I kind of wondered, well, what's going on here? What he would do is he would take an issue or a problem or just something he wanted a greater awareness of into his mind, would kind of open it up And then as he would put it, usually with 24 hours, God would deliver him an answer. (laughs) He thought it in terms of problem solving, I guess. But what he really was saying was just by allowing his mind to just think about something for a while, allowing the full creativity of the divine, if you will, to work with it around in his head, that often... A quite surprising quite powerful quite unexpected solution or answer or awareness would come to him this is contemplation and it's something that we don't think of so much as a spiritual practice anymore we're more familiar with meditation where we just try to let go of all of our thoughts this instead is actually choosing a topic and allowing the full creativity of the divine as it's coming through your own intuition, as it's coming through your own thoughts and your own non-thoughts in order to come up with really a gestalt, a new idea, a new way of being in the world. And Joel Goldsmith says, this is fine and good, and you can use this to solve problems in your life. This is something that we all can accomplish, being co-creative with God to come up with a solution, a new way of being, a, a new way of doing something, maybe. But Goldsmith also says that in itself, it doesn't necessarily make it a spiritual practice, right? When it's in the realm of problem solving, if it's really trying to just figure out how to get the sawmill running, it's a useful application, like kind of using the power of the divine in our own lives. But Goldsmith says if we want to actually further our connection to God, we must pick our topic our choice of contemplation more carefully. It's fine to keep the sawmill running, but if you want a greater awareness of God, that is what we should contemplate. And so the spiritual practice of contemplation, according to the infinite way, is when that topic of our thoughts, when we expand our mind with the purpose of understanding the infinity that is God. And so this, then, is the topic of the contemplation, not how to keep the the plant running, but how to keep us running. How to keep that divine nature that is within us, within everyone, in scope of the infinite. How to feel ever closer to that thing which we call God, or goddess, or the divine, or the infinite way. How to feel centered in that infinite being. All of these might be topics that you could take into that form of contemplation, and to Goldsmith, then this is the the fodder for really a divine inspiration. That even as my grandfather would say, you know, within twenty four hours some idea will come to me. Goldsmith says, you know, within twenty four hours or so, a greater awareness of God will come to you, if you contemplate God, if you contemplate your own divinity. A greater awareness of that will come to you. Well, the other two spiritual practices that Goldsmith talks about in the chapters this week are more familiar to us. And the first one is meditation. Meditation is simply to think deeply, to focus or clear one's mind for a period of time, either in silence or with the aid of chanting, for religious or spiritual purposes. And so this one we're pretty familiar with, right? This is where we either bring our full attention to maybe a candle flame or a mantra or a, um, you know, some kind of a private word or phrase. Or, or maybe we just sit in the silence and allow our mind to really go blank. And here the purpose, Joel Goldsmith says, is really to listen. To listen to that divine spirit. Not to be prompting it, you know, to answer questions or or to be problem-solving, but really to be in that completely open place of listening. Listening to that still, small voice of the spirit that resides within us always. Greatly powerful. And I wanted to give you a little bit of taste of meditation from a Joel Goldsmith perspective, and and I was lucky enough to to find a transcription of one of his hour-long meditations. Now, we're not, don't worry, (laughs) don't worry, we're not going to do an hour-long meditation. But what he would do often, there'd be 40, 50 minutes of complete silence, but he would usually start it out with a bit of guidance. And so if you're willing, I, I invite you just to close your eyes for a minute and listen to one of his transcribed introductions to a long meditation. So this is an excerpt from Joel Goldsmith. He says, God is the only power. There are no powers to fear. There are no powers of sin, of disease, or of lack. No powers or weapons that can ever be formed against me, for I am in god and god is in me therefore easily gladly i surrender all fear to this i also surrender all hope for what do i need to hope for god is the greatest gift and god has given itself wholly to me all that god has is mine what could there be left To hope for and so I surrender my hope to thee if I desire God with all my heart and with all my soul and with all my mind do I have room left to desire anything else is there anything left for me to desire after I have given all of myself to God I desire only God to know thee aright to live consciously in thy presence. This is my desire, and all other desires I surrender. No longer do I have any desire but to know God. Ambition? What ambition is there? What can there be after one has known God? Is there something in the world of greater value than God? Is there something of greater benefit than God? No. 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 Knowing God, having God, I have no further ambition. I surrender all ambition unto Thee. Hope, desire, ambition, fear, all surrendered. And now, now there is nothing left in the external world for me to be attached to. To love my neighbor as myself, this is natural. This is normal, this is spiritual, to love my friends, to love my family. Normal, natural, spiritual. But nothing external attracts me now. Nothing outside of me is greater than my love for God. My desire for God. My realization of what God's love means. And so now... Here I am, inside of myself, alone with God. And then the meditation would convince for maybe an hour, maybe 45 minutes. Did you notice this is a little bit like a contemplation? I think he's kind of setting us up to do a a two-part thing here. I think it's a meditation, but it's also a contemplation because he's setting the stage up for us to find that greater connection to God, not to contemplate our worldly affairs, not to contemplate things that have gone wrong in our lives or to do any problem solving. He's setting up that meditation so that the divine can be more easily perceived, so that that unity from within is starting out from a place of wholeness, a place of really God-centeredness. The third thing that Joel Goldsmith said is absolutely a spiritual practice. And this one we're familiar with, and it's prayer. And I found, I think, a sweet little joke about prayer that I wanted to share with you all. So a little boy was asked if he prayed when he attended church. And he answered, well, sure I do, of course I do. So I'm being questioned as to the nature of his prayer. He explained that at his church, everyone has a bit of silence just before the minister gets up to give the sermon. And that was the time that he silently would pray. And what do you pray right before the sermon? He was asked. I say the little prayer that my mother taught me. Now I lay me down to sleep. <laughs> okay, well, I'm, I'm glad to say you're mostly staying awake today, and I thank you for that. But how does prayer work? Joe Goldsmith has a little bit of a different take on this the mystical side of New Thought says that maybe we're kind of missing the point a bit. And I wanted to talk to you about that. Have you ever worked it really hard on something, even been successful at something, but still missed the point? Let me give an example. One of my prayer partners uh, really has done everything for her daughter. Oh my gosh, she sent her to to, uh, um, um, a, a private school um, um, you know, band uniforms, music lessons. She's a single mom and has worked very hard to provide the best for her daughter in terms of well, well, like you name it. You know, it would it would be a great joy to be um, that daughter. And her daughter has now reached a teenage age, and she's being a little difficult with my friend, with my prayer partner, as teenagers often can be. But she's she's kind of attacking, if you will, my friend, saying you never supported me. And my friend has decided that there's a grain of truth here. My friend has decided that she worked very, very hard at providing this girl with good schooling and good clothes and and lots of activities and, you know, was the soccer mom and drove her all around and things like that. She may have worked so hard that she missed the point or at least one of the points, which was to be there personally emotionally mentally for her daughter and she's just about concluded that her daughter god forbid <laughs> might be right and so that they're they're taking on this relationship in a new way and similarly Joel Goldsmith says that yes when we pray to change our circumstances when we when we say you know good scientific and affirmative prayers to acknowledge that That we're divinely inspired for joy and and peace and we visualize the perfect new job and we imagine in our own heart and accept in our own heart a a great relationship and a new house and the, the perfect job and all of these things. Yes, God responds to those and we might be missing the point. Goldsmith says that if all we're trying to do through, peer, through prayer is to move around the outsides of ourselves, do you know what I mean? Some of you are groaning, right? Because it's the outsides of ourselves, the people, the places, the things, the issues, the work environments, the family troubles, all these things are always in flux. If you think you're going to nail them down and that they're ne- you're going to get them right and they're never going to change, right? <laughs> yeah, we know how that works. And so Goldsmith would say, yes, we can use prayer to do that, but we're kind of doomed in a way because people aren't going to stay still. Situations are going to evolve. Life changes. Do you want to be right back there in prayer about the same thing again over and over? Okay, now I've got to pray for my daughter again. Now I've got to pray for my job again. He would say that we might a little bit be missing the point. For Goldsmith, prayer is centered once again on communication with the divine. And so not to bring problems to the divine, there are no problems in God, not to bring external issues to God, because God looks down from above and everything is in order. Uh, Oftentimes we think about it in the reverse way. If you ever look out in the night sky, right, you see an amazing show, well, maybe not, in Oregon right now, but let's say uh, maybe in July, you'll look outside and see laid before you a gorgeous sky full of stars, right? And you in that moment as the divine are saying, oh my gosh, this is perfect. Life could be no more perfectly organized than this. Well, you've got to know there, there are people or what passes for people on one of those stars. Do you know what I mean? And they're having the same problems that you are. Now, they might be green and they might be underwater or, you know, who knows what they look like, but I guarantee you they're having some of the outside issues just like we are right here. And yet we can look up and see the perfection in that night sky. It doesn't need another star. That one doesn't need to be a different color. All is well and whole and perfect. And to the degree that that is our prayer, that our prayer is the understanding that God is good, that God is whole, even as Star's opening prayer was that about unity and wholeness of the divine, when that is our prayer, the outsides will take care of themselves. Now, I want to say that again because you'll notice I'm not saying that we cannot pray and have the exterior world made better by it, but you'll notice the focus is a little different. Instead of me praying about the job, I will pray about knowing the unity of me and all life, and the job will get better on its own. I can pray about mm. harmony and peace and knowing that the universe is in complete order and perfection and my health will improve. I don't have to pray about a gallbladder or, or a strong heart or whatever. I can. And Goldsmith says there's no harm in praying about stuff. He just says that we might be missing part of the point. I want to close today with a homework assignment, as I often do. And I would simply like you to look into your own lives and see, first of all, if there's some place where you're missing the point about your own spirituality. Are you directing a lot of your energy in terms of spirituality around changing the externals in your life? Are your prayers about, you know, making sure the car runs and that the kids get into the right schools? Are you praying about making sure that your health is what it needs to be or that your coworkers are harmonious? There's nothing wrong with that. But if we look a little deeper, if we call upon our own awareness of the perfection of the universe, of its wholeness, of that sense of connectedness with all things then the things improve on their own. So the homework again, just a quick check up on your own spirituality. What is your spiritual practice like? Do you find time during the day to contemplate the divine, to do a bit of meditation or to do some prayer work that leads you in the direction of discovering your own perfection, your own divine nature? and If not, what can we do to tweak it a little bit? Could we spend a little bit more time in meditation? Is there maybe a different kind of prayer practice? Or or maybe spending more time in nature if that's where you feel God more present. Are we setting our own spiritual practices up so that we're doing more than just pushing around the outsides of things? Do you know what I mean, kind of putting band-aids on lives that aren't quite working the way we want them to? Nothing wrong with that. I would just like us very even-handedly and purposefully to also be emphasizing our connection to God. And so I'm going to close with just a a reading from this chapter on prayer in the book, and then we'll do a prayer. Prayer, which is conscious oneness with God, always results in bringing forth harmony, peace, joy, and success. Communion with God is true prayer. It is the unfoldment in individual consciousness of the presence and power of God, and it makes you every whit whole. Communion with God is, in reality, listening for that still, small voice within. And in this communion or prayer, no words need pass from you to God. It is the consciousness of the presence of God as it is realized as the impartation of truth. Love comes from the God within to you. It is a holy state of being, and it never leaves us where it finds us. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence in the universe. This, this thing that I call God, I know, is every person, every place, everything, every situation. It is that night sky full of stars. It is the, the yearning ocean. It is the goodness and the grace of all things. This is God, and I know it's also centered right in me, that there is a part of me that has never been touched by the earthly troubles. There is a part in me that has never been bothered or upset by the stuff of life. That part of me is part of the divine. It is that God-centered nature that is Larry King. And as it is true about me, of course I know it is true for each person in this room. Each person in this room is a divine spark of consciousness in the mind of God. Each person in this room is holy of the divine. Each person here can put their mind on that holiness of the God within, and make tremendous spiritual progress. Truly, the the spiritual evolution that each of us is on is always helped through meditation, through contemplation, through prayer, through that being in the presence of God and cultivating it. And so for each person here, I know there's an awareness of this, an ability to look beyond what's going on in the material world and provide a greater focus on unity with the divine spirit. And I'm grateful for this. I'm simply grateful to be here in the presence of God, showing up as the the faces in this room, grateful to just be that place of receiving from the good energy coming back from the women's retreat and the energy going forward into our divine dining program, recognizing that all of this good, all of this fun, all of this life is God. I just let it be, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for being here today.